Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical rereads podcast, a 17 shards series where we reread the Cosmere and are giant nerds about it. Today, we will be talking about Alloy of Law character relationships. This episode will have spoilers for Alloy of Law and prior books from um, Mistborn Era 1. Joining me is Mish. Hello, I'm Mish, also known as First Rainbow Rose on the internet. Also joining me is Ian. Hey, I'm your writer. Last but not least is Rosemary. Hi, hello. I am Kamith on the Shard. And I'm Jesse, and I go by Lady Lameness on the forums and Discord. So today we're going to be talking about the character relationships in Alloy of Law. And I know that there's quite a few that jump to my mind. So where do we want to begin? I want to begin with something that I specifically held off on from the last episode <laughs> which is Marasi and wayne or not wayne wax yeah Marasi and wax so of course you know you've got him rejecting her and the entire episode and it's so funny to me because book ended and i went up to brandon and i was like so and are Marasi and Wax getting together? And he was like, are they? And I was like, yes, yes. That is what that entire book is leading towards. And he's like, is it? And I was like, yes, yes. Their entire relationship points to them getting together. And it was funny because he was like, really? Like, he had that Brandon face. This is called subverting expectations. But, and I, I do really like how their relationship is handled in this book because they are the couple that are supposed to get together at the end of the book like based off of literally all media leading up to this point we are expecting them like her to confess her feelings and then him to reciprocate and when that doesn't happen it's like oh oh that's cool that's new yeah no it's mm -hmm. It's also fun to see her hero worship and just watching, you know, just from a general characterization and character standpoint, her going <gasps> like her progression from I'm meeting my hero to hey, just a guy. What? I think it makes a lot of sense as well, um, at least from like Marisai's side of things, like she's young she's just met this hero that she has followed for a very long time and that makes a lot of sense that she has a crush on him and the the thing that gets me a little bit is there's a point where wax thinks like because he seems pretty neutral uh to her for a lot of the book i find and like uh, mm -hmm could see that she has a crush but it's like yeah okay but there is one point where he thinks about like her in a way that's like not quite reciprocating but potentially moving that way and like mm, i don't know if this is a good idea wax like i i definitely could see the whole oh they're being set up because like main male lead pretty much main female lead they're gonna get together that's always how it works so it is kind of nice when they don't but it, it did feel a bit off to me even though it all did make sense that these people would feel these ways 
Well, and his relationship with Steris, who is supposed to be, one, you basically don't see her, and two, there is, like, zero chemistry at all between those two characters. I disagree disagree with that. Yeah, and it's like, and there isn't meant to be chemistry between them. Like, this is a political marriage. Like, House Ladrian is in debt. Like, the Harms family has a lot of money. And so it is just a political union. It's like, we give you money, you give us status. We have a couple kids, you can go off half your mistress, I can go sleep with the carriage driver. Everyone's happy. (laughs) I love that line. It it is. It's it's so. Ceres is just so wonderful. A character, yes. Which... but she is set up as the foil to Maris mm-hmm. in this, so it makes a lot of sense that a lot of people, particularly reading Alloy of Law, is like, I don't like Steris. It's like that's the point. Like that that's mm-hmm. what Brandon's trying to make you think. But but I love Steris. Yeah, so and <laughs> she's so she's so fantastic, and maybe it's because I'm so familiar with people. I have so many friends on the autism spectrum. And I have a nephew on the autism spectrum that recognizing all of her autistic traits right off the bat told me a lot about who she was. And I like that. Uh, I understood her right from the beginning. So, and, and, and you know, just, uh, Steris was sort of my cinnamon roll from day one. <laughs> <laughs> she's she is my autistic cinnamon roll and don't you dare harm her but yeah. <laughs> like i i was definitely in the camp that didn't see the awesomeness of steris on my first read it's it was in the later books where we do see more of steris than we do see in this book where it's like oh, okay like yeah it's like she's an awesome character so coming back to alley of law knowing who she is as a character, I can, it's, it was easier for me to pick up on. It's like, okay, this is who I thought Steris was at this point in time is not who she actually is. Yeah. And I mean, I love Brandon's like little hint in there of uh, the fact that when Steris is, when he goes and he uh, rescues her and he sets her down and he's like, is she aroused right now? Mm-hmm. Not gonna think about it. Moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that that was I I that was one of my favorite yeah. pieces. But yeah, like that scene I, of you know, him both... rescuing her and like jumping through the clouds and like her reaction to it. I was like, oh, I I can see the tendrils of yeah of like where the relationship is going to come from. But you something really... like that because she is so closed off with most mm-hmm. people, and like that was such an open moment, and like. She does. She did seem to fit very well with Wax's love of, of adventure, just from her reaction to being rescued and flown through the sky. And then she goes back to her pragmatic self. So we're engaged. I thought you had a list. Yeah, but genuine rescue like this, people won't. People will expect it. So we'll announce it within the next couple of days. And she's just so blase about everything and and that that, that's part of how she has to relate to the world because um 
when you're on the autism spectrum, understanding people and reading facial expressions can be very difficult. So what she's done is she's created rules. And I have sort of an unofficially adopted little sister who's done many of the same things, but she has to write herself different rules of interactions between every individual person that she knows so that she can understand what does this mean? When this person says this, what does it mean? And that's how Steris is at interacting with society. She has codified everything into rules because that is the only way she knows how to function because she can't just instinctually figure out what to do or how to react to people. She has to have this set of very hierarchical distinct rules so that she doesn't step out of line and so she applies that to everything because that's how she knows how to interact with people and and i love that because that is super true to how some people on the autism spectrum have social interactions has she been confirmed as being autistic or is that yeah, yeah. brandon's, yes. brandon's yeah. confirmed it she's yeah. makes sense um she's slightly on the autism spectrum but not as far as Renarin, I think. Makes sense. She's or, high functioning, yeah. which is again the same as my sister. So I, I know how that. Mm-hmm. I, I got very good at translating human to Aubrey and back again for her. <laughs> <laughs> translating. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. That. That. Mm. <laughs> uh, I love. Oh. Yes, both Steris and Marisi have had a rough time of it in very different ways. And mm-hmm. you can see a lot of that in both of these books because, I mean, Steris had three prior suitors who apparently disliked her so much that each of them felt it was necessary to write her a letter telling her just how she was inadequate. And I mean, that's just brutal. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. That- and. And and then you've got Marisi, who is the illegitimate daughter, and she's got that that there there's that line where she's talking about her her dad to to wax and like he wishes it were she you rescued and not me, and you just like you see these both of them have th- this damage to them, and yet they still have a bond as sisters, yeah. which you see more in the later books. And after re you know, as a reread coming back to it, you can see where he's starting to lay them out. They have, they, they have the, you don't get to see a lot of interactions from them, but you know, where she joins in with wax and teasing Steris at the wedding. It's like, yeah, that is such a sister thing to do because you drive each other crazy. And it is great to see that because, like, the damage that they've both gone through growing up is really polarizing in the relationship that they could have. Like, being the illegitimate child and constantly being told that you're inferior, like, that. It's good to see that, like, that hasn't had really negative effect on their relationship because, like, um,. Marisai could be very bitter about that and really hate Steris for mm-hmm. something that isn't her fault, but like the way that mm-hmm. her position has affected Marisai's life. And like also Steris, on the other hand, like having to be in that position and being almost put on a pedestal um, compared to her sister. So it's good that they well- have that relationship. I don't think Steris knew about Marasi for yeah. most of Marasi's life. I get the feeling like, that it, she, it, yeah. it was a more recent thing. Yeah, like I think that 
when she shows up to this the opinion or the setting that i got was she was off with this other part of the family with her family you know from her mom's side and then something happens on her mom's side and she comes into town and he kind of this is her first time in the city actually it was probably her coming to university she came uh, to university i'm gonna have to dig in further on the rereads in the next books because i think maybe they've known each other for a while but it, it's been a few years yeah. but it, it hasn't been their entire lives no. but it's no. been long enough that they've they, they've they've bonded in on some level which is yeah. good because not everyone would in that kind of situation yeah, yeah. But, I, like i i think yeah. technically they meet when they're adults okay. yeah uh i will say though talking about marasi and the fact that like my heart breaks for her because there's that one scene where she's like uh she's i don't remember how she words it but she's like my dad would have acknowledged me being a, uh, an allomancer because he really wished my sister was an allomancer but she isn't but i am and he would have acknowledged me except for the fact that i'm a useless allomancer so i'm useless and it's like thinking about it now she should be way more damaged than she should than she is. Like she should be way less confident. Like background assumptions. Her mom and her mom's family has to be amazing because she doesn't have the trauma and the mm -hmm. not quite abuse, but the abusive mindset of I am useless. It sounds like she was really uh, separated like growing up yeah. and so, didn't have to deal much with that even if she might have known about it and i have a somewhat different take from that from that selection in that it really isn't that her allomancy is useless it's that her father is upset that the illegitimate child got the allomancy and the le legitimate one didn't she uh, actually does say in there that mm -hmm. uh he views it as useless so yeah, but but is, does he really or is it that he's so embarrassed that his illegitimate kid got the allomancy that he wants her to believe that it is so that it doesn't embarrass him in public? I personally think it is uh, looking at history and, you know, kind of extrapolating, uh, you know, in history, if you were the illegitimate child, but you were a champion or you were in government or something, you were acknowledged as being an illegitimate child because of your ability. I am like the way she words it. I don't I wish I could actually grab the exact quote, but the way she words it is essentially if I had been anything. Mildly useful my dad would have acknowledged me and accepted me into my home, into his home. But because I have Bendeloy as my allomantic ability, uh, cadmium. And cadmium, cadmium, whatever, whatever it is, <laughs> this is That's where another I, episode. this is where I show I'm a terrible fan. And I actually don't have all that memories, but you know, where she's like, I, I I'm useless here. We can, we can use references. <laughs> yeah, but she like she actually said like the way it's worded is my dad thinks my power is useless. I think my power is useless because of the fact that I'm useless. My dad refused to recognize me. I wonder how much of it, though, is um, him also using the fact that she has 
cadmium powers as another excuse um mm. to be to just kind of say well you're not the same like you you are below what i want you to be and like al- also going off the like uh, <laughs> he's salty about the fact that she got allomancy but just using this I as think... another way to kind of like punch downwards like regardless of what it really was i think if it had really been reversed and if steris had had that exact same power he would have been trumpeting about it because look oh, yeah. i have a child with allomancy oh but yeah oh yeah because it was marisy he was able to keep her swept under the rug the it question was two counts against her instead yeah. of just one yeah yeah but yeah so we should have uh... uh, from like and i don't even think it's it was a conscious thought on his part like i don't think he's I don't think he's a mean person. Uh, he, he just comes from that culture and is yeah. like, well, it's like, like, I don't think he, he views anything he did as the wrong thing to do. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's that's the culture. Wa- yeah. Wax is right. He, he is, he's a fool. He's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and even the way he seems to treat Steris, like in the scene where uh, she's presenting the contract, like, he doesn't act great in relation to what she's doing. Like he seems almost exasperated by it. It's true. That's very true. And and yeah. it, the part where he tells Wax that she's a lot like her mother was, and gives him that. But we 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 must suffer for our houses. Is like he obviously didn't actually love her mother. Yeah, and it makes me think that, that her mother was, was probably political. on the autism spectrum too, and. Mm. He he just sucked it up and dealt with it and never really took the time to understand his wife. So he doesn't understand his daughter either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's not active malice. It's just like you're you are just kind of a crummy person mm-hmm. because of how you were raised and the people around you. And it's just like, mm. yep. Yeah. So wonderful. And he's never really had his worldview challenged. Except so, Mar- Marisy does that. Yeah. Marisy having her interests and being competent, her very existence often challenges his worldview, which it really is. Particularly it, now that she's he, integrating herself into society and not just hidden away. Like, I feel like yeah. when she was on the outer estates, like, he probably didn't think about her. He didn't care because he wasn't uh, being affected by her presence. But I love how headstrong she is and the fact that she is doing this and she's like, no, I want to go to university. I want to do law. I want to be a lawyer. And like that puts her prominently in society as well. Mm -hmm. Like people know lawyers, people know people who go to university. And yeah, like suddenly she's thrusting herself into the spotlight and what else is going to come out? And now it's a threat to him. Yeah. Well, and that actually leads me to wonder how many people actually know. Like in this book, definitely, basically nobody except for the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's probably one of those open secrets. Of, I think I suspect that most of Lord Harms's peers are aware of who she is. Really, 
but mm-hmm. it's that polite fiction. It's like, well, we know, but we're going to be polite and not say that we know. And we'll, we'll go along with your cover story because that is how society operates. I, I do think in, I think in this book, like, I don't think it's an open secret yeah. yet. Like, it's still, it's like, as far as anybody knows, like, you are Steris' second cousin from the outer states. In the second book, it's like it's it's more of the open secret where it's like everybody's pretty much figured it out but no one's acknowledging it yeah part of it is in this book though we have it all from wax's perspective and we don't really know what the rest of society sees well and so it's yeah she is super shocked when he figured it out which implies that in general society doesn't treat her like she is an illegitimate child uh he goes, so you and your sister. And she goes, what? And it's and she's super shocked that he has figured it out, which implies that she that it's not a super well-known thing. So I don't think in this book. How it's well, known. how much of upper society does she really interact with? And how much is it just her being at university? Because mm. she is embedded in her university culture and probably her classmates don't know, but her classmates and Lord Harms and Steris's peers are not the same groups of people. That's True. fair. It's a good question to have for Brandon. Like, how how <laughs> open was the secret that yeah. Marasi was illegitimate? And I also I'm- love how we're all pronouncing Marasi differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, we've all got our pronunciations and we will die on these hills. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I used to pronounce it how Ian does and then I listened to the graphic audios and it changed. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I also listened to the graphic audio. I'm like, nah, I'm going to stick with Marasi. <laughs> I go with what Brandon says most of the time, I think. Even though sometimes Brandon says he doesn't pronounce them correctly, which is yeah. hilarious to me. I don't know. He might even do it on purpose. He's just like, pre- it, 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 with him trying to emphasize, just pronounce them how you want to pronounce them. So if he changes his pronunciation all the time, then you, it's hard to get stuck. There is one very important bro. relationship we haven't talked about yet. Oh, there's, yes, Off Wax and Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was thinking that maybe we should have saved some of our conversation from the last one, but it was relevant to the plot and how they reacted yeah. to each other. But mm-hmm. they have just this amazing yeah. banter and you can mm-hmm. see all of the years of them knowing each other in the in layered underneath all of that banter. And it's just masterfully done how Brandon has built the history of their relationship in his head and managed to put that on the page. Oh yeah. Uh, like all of the wise cracks. You used to be fun and like just the sass that Wayne gives Wax is beautiful. And when Wax first starts sketching everything out, yes! he adds, he, he's like, well Wayne's not here. So he adds Wayne's stick figures to it and he's like, yeah, I feel a little better. Yeah. Okay. Like, no, it's okay. Tell that he really does miss him and misses his yeah his working with him. Yeah, and, and it, little things because they do really bring out the best of each other. Because Wax on his own can kind of be a stick in the mud, mm-hmm. but when he is interacting with Wayne, it's like you see his sense of humor. It's like he he isn't just curmudgeonly old man. He's like he. 
does enjoy life. Like he he likes Wayne. It's like it it does bring him to life in a way. Well, and thinking about Wayne, I think one of my favorite Wayne bits is actually when the butler uh, tries to kill them. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. I like that's one of the ones that co- springs to my head whenever I think about Wayne in this book is just stealing your tea. I don't care about the fact that it's not for me. I'm just going to drink it anyway. And I'm talking and I'm talking. Oh, the tea is poisoned. Wop. I love like, scenes like such that. Such a cartoon so moment. Yeah. And then he sits up and he's like, I hate poison. Poison <laughs> sucks. Oh, no, there's an explosion. You know what sir, sucks more than being poisoned? Having to regrow. Like, he's just so whatever about it. He's like, regrowing limbs sucks. Yeah. He's so blasé. Yeah, characters with some sort of healing factor. Their psychology is just fascinating. Because yeah. it's like they don't have the same interaction with being injured that a normal person does yeah no i but it, like talking about characters that deal with healing mm-hmm. powers and mm-hmm. stuff and brilliantness of i would argue the best villains are the ones where you kind of almost agree with them mm-hmm. uh not just because every villain is the hero of their own story but because if you're reasons are you know whatever nobody's gonna take you serious you're not gonna get henchmen or anything but in this one you've got miles who is just like well the world sucks nobody cares about any of us and i'm gonna take things into my own hands and watching wax's reactions to miles and being like wait no how could you do this and it's interesting to see that Miles or the wax never once really truly gives uh miles a, like he never falls into the well maybe pitfall it re- kind of reminds yeah. me just to go on a slight magic tangent right now uh because like miles can do alimantic gold as well and he does it at one point and sees his two paths but this book is the two paths except one of them is miles and the other one is wax and like these are the two ways that he could that they could that either of them could have gone and there's such reflections of each other where for where they started and it's you're right it's fascinating to see that they're both so set on their path and neither mm-hmm. of them are really willing to even consider going the other direction again. Hadn't considered the reflection thing, but that's actually really true, and I like that. And I like how Miles is deeply disturbed at the fact that his two paths hate each other that much. Mm-hmm. And it, it bothers him, and he's trying to trick himself into thinking that he's, you know, alloying those two halves together, and, you know, no, man, you're not. You're really not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were, you would be having more doubts about the crap that you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But the lies people tell themselves to mm-hmm. get them through the day. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I like Wayne a lot, but the way he interacts with Renette is just cringeworthy. I mean, in this book, it's not as cringeworthy. It yeah, doesn't it, get truly cringeworthy until the later books. The way, in this the way he's 
hovering over her and just grinning and she's like mm -hmm. eh, whatever well in this book she's a lot more of just ugh, whatever like it, it doesn't get to the tr but i love renette like so that's much great. that's great yeah yeah and it wayne i'm i'm fine with wayne in this book it's definitely in the later books yeah we can talk about that later though yeah, yeah. but talking about renette i love representation and i love to an extent that the representation it doesn't feel like she loses her femininity in being a gun nut. Like, it, we don't see a ton of her, but what we do see of her doesn't come across as just a guy. There, like when you think about Renette, even in the first book, you see her as a woman who mm -hmm. also is extremely prickly. <laughs> And yeah. also very into guns. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love her prickliness. That's pretty. Yeah. That's another mm -hmm. one of those things that I absolutely love is her just like knocking, opens the door, slams the door, and Shotgun. Fox and Wayne take two steps back into the side. And Rossi's just like, what is going on? Until Wax grabs her and pulls her <laughs> off to the side. And, and they're both just like, Rossi's like, Dude, she's got a gun aimed at you, and they're like, ah, it's all ah. time. It does make me, like, I, I've always found their um, relationships very interesting because, particularly how that scene goes, where she really seems to dislike them and not want them there. But obviously, from the fact that Wax and Wade were like, okay, cool, time to move to the side because she's going to try and shoot us now. Like, this isn't the first time this has happened. Like, this seems like a repeated interaction, which almost mm -hmm. just comes across to me. Like, not that it's all theater and, like, they're, like, faking it, pretending or anything like that, but Renette obviously doesn't just, like, hate them and want them to leave. Otherwise, yeah. this wouldn't continuously happen. And yeah. So I, I just find that fascinating because I can't figure out what, particularly what Renette's thoughts are of Wax and Wayne, or at least like Wax, because Wayne is a bit more obvious. Yeah, it's like, I think, I think she l likes Wax in as much as Renette likes people in general, like... She's like, she knows him like she trusts him. Like, like she is one of he is like one of the few people that she would allow into her house, period. She's oh. made guns for him before. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 Wayne frustrates her on a fundamental level because he doesn't accept the fact that she is into ladies and not men. It, and, even and if so it's like, you were into men, that doesn't mean she would be into him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and so like she ha like and so it's just like any group of like friends like you kind of develop a shorthand with each other it's like okay like this is how we greet each other and from an outside perspective sometimes it's like how are you friends and so like part of that is like renette tries to shoot oh them God, this is probably mostly handshake. because of to get into the clubhouse 
<laughs> yes. And like, no, whereas like, I think she would not feel bad if she shot Wayne. Yeah. I don't think she would well, feel she bad if slide He did shoot Wayne. He mentions that he's like, Marasi's like, uh, he could, sh she could shoot us. And he's like, eh, she won't shoot us anywhere viable. Probably. I foot a couple of times. Like, he, yeah. it mentions that she has shot Wayne before and has no guilt about it. I mean, he is yeah. also a blood maker, though. So, like, yeah. there is she less guilt to heal. have there. And, and I feel like if Wayne had not been with them on that trip, she would have been a somewhat less prickly. Yes. Probably, Probably yes. wouldn't have pulled the gun. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. yeah. I think the other thing, uh, just touching back to Wayne's relationship with Renat and why, particularly in this book, it seems not as bad as later books. I think there's the combination of what you were saying, like, Renat's just kind of, like, brushing him off and, like, trying to ignore him. Mm -hmm. um, but also we're seeing it all from Wax's perspective. And, like, yeah. Wax doesn't seem to have any deeper understanding of, like, the way that Wayne is acting towards Renette mm -hmm. and just thinks it's fine. So it just very much comes across as fine in text uh, because that's what yeah. Wax is seeing. The, the, the fact Renette is a lesbian, like, isn't... It's like an offhand reference. It's like, wait, Wax says something along, like, I don't even think she's interested in any man like that. Yep. Yeah. And so it's like, so it's... And so, like, it's from his perspective, like, it is a non-issue. It's just like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, that's just how they interact. But, like, no, that's a seriously problematic thing. Yeah. And Wax he's just doesn't so understand that. It. And, and part of it is he's just been around them for so much, it doesn't even strike him as being odd. Yeah. He's yeah. so mm -hmm. accustomed to it that he doesn't realize just how frustrating that must be for Renette. He is inured to Wayne's nonsense in a way that most humans are not. I mean, there's the uncle mm. oh, scene there the at the very, very end with the uncle. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, there's just Don't Wax's general interaction with society. Like, the, the, the quote of, unfortunately, his uncle had managed to offend three quarters of the city's upper crust. And I, I read that and I'm like, Wax, honey, you're not doing any better. You <laughs> jumped off the wall and went flying in the middle of a party. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> and it really sounded like he, like he really made his reputation and his house's reputation worse when he first came back to the city. And it was oh. only after like that night where he puts away his guns that he actually seems to recognize that he's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And and Talom the butler was was useful in those early stages of you know giving him actual good solid advice he had yep. ulterior motives for it but mm -hmm. he wasn't wrong in a lot of ways yeah. um it's like a good butler full of reasonable advice pity he turned out to be evil yeah. <laughs> and poison cheese uh, just on the um topic quickly of uh tilly tilla tilla yum um it, it's not like Whatever. a character thing, but I love how much Brandon like adds the references to tea and how he's really good at making teas and how he's mm. always coming up and being like, Wax, do you want some tea? I have so many options for you. I loved that, like knowing 
where it was going. I, I just thought it was really well done because I thought that was just like a fun quirk of this character the first time round. And the hints. Yeah. Yeah. There were hints because, you know, Wax is, you know, compliments him on how good the tea was. And then when Wayne drinks that tea, he's like, this is terrible. Mm. Oh, because it's poisoned. Huh. Yep. I mean, funny how that works. I just love that the butler actually did do it. <laughs> yes. The butler in the ballroom. That's the joke. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think it was interesting, his story about uh, of of how Wax's uncle messed up the finances with with the gambling or, or, well, with paying too much attention to the gambling. And you're like, how much of that was actually true? Oh, I think because if it were all true... Then why would Talam still be loyal to Edward if he just totally messed up well, the house? That, or Talam of- was totally in with the set from oh, the beginning. Yeah. I totally think yeah. he was and, in with the set from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of like how last episode, um, Jesse, you were talking about how like you missed like Suit's interest in genealogy. I totally didn't even think about that. It was like I took that as at face value on Tiom's part but like no Tiom like definitely has to be on in on everything and like was deliberately leading Wax astray oh yeah no and at the end he even says you know uh at what or I guess it's right after the explosion he's like oh yeah he encouraged me to not look into this he encouraged me to put away and Wax kind of starts to go wait how much of that was actually him trying to being my uncle's man um i i didn't suspect him at first because there are so many stories historically and within fiction you know it's a super common trope of oh well the loyal family butler will stay with the family even though the family's in ruin um Mm -hmm. but the one that i picked up on this time was the fact that uh oh he was terrible at gambling and the and the butler's actually like, no, he was actually pretty good about, at uh, gambling. He made the house a lot of money. And then it was something else that made, that he was bad at. And it's fascinating because gambling would be public knowledge to an extent. Mm. So you can't funnel money away from the family through gambling, but through bad investments. Oh, well, the... Bad investment, things, you know, you don't expect it. And instead, it's like how much of the family's financial ruin is actual financial ruin and how much of it is him actually funneling money to the all set? Of yeah. Oh, all, all of, of it. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Funneling money. Yeah. I mean, you look look at his in, the entire plot of this being an insurance scam. That comes from the mind of a man who knows how to handle money and is very good at finance, who was not going to be making all these bad investments. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me, everyone, and thank you for watching. You can find us on 17shard.com for your news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. You can leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, and support us on Patreon. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.